I and whoever else is involved, we have a legal document saying that we give rights to any of us to pitch this particular song. And if it's good, we can give the green light on behalf of the others because it's a fantastic opportunity. So um, most of the time, one stop, non-exclusive. And so it's all set. Yo, what's good? This is Clint, your host on the Music Is My Business podcast, the podcast where you can gain insight and learn proven strategies to build and monetize your music career. If you want your questions answered live, join me on YouTube at Clint Music on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and let's chop it up. Now let's dig into this week's episode. Yo, yo, what's good, people? Welcome to the channel where we talk about music licensing, music production, and music business. If you love any of the previously mentioned, be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on all my latest content. And make sure you hit that bell icon so you know exactly when that new content drops. Shout out to everybody coming in the stream, man. Let me know where you guys are from, what you guys do. It's another live Q&A, but this week I got my guy, Mike Myers, with me, man. He's hanging out with us. We're going to chop it up. Mike Myers is an Emmy Award winning songwriter, guitar coach, producer. Um, and yeah, man, he's just he's crushing the game, especially in the sync space. His music's been heard um, on networks such as MTV, VH1, Target, Fox Sports, NPR, Showtime. And um, man, he's just a super dope guy helping people, you know, just really, really hone in on, on their gifts and talents, especially from the guitar perspective, which is super dope and the songwriting perspective. Mike, what's good, bro? How you feeling, man? Dude, I am. It feels like it's been 12 hours since I've seen you. So it's <laughs> I know, right? We was just uh, we were chopping it up. I was on his podcast yesterday and um, and yeah, he's on mine today. So uh, yeah, man, it, it's been pretty cool. I guess it's, it's nice because we get to kind of get continue the conversation we started yesterday. And um, yeah, so I, tell the people who you are, man. How, how'd you get started? And um, yeah, just let them know. Yeah. Um, so I am based out of Pittsburgh currently. And so that's where I've grown up. And I think songwriting and guitar has just kind of been a thing for me for, for so long. I grew up listening to all these punk bands and just really like I knew I want to be a guitarist. I want to be in a band and then started a band. And of course, fast forward, none of those bands took off. They yeah. all flopped majorly. Oh, wow. They were uh, nothing was amazing. Nothing happened. And then I found myself teaching, so, um, kind of working at a small indie uh, startup school. And it was awesome. I yeah. was teaching guitar and I was like, ah, what do I know about teaching guitar? I don't know if I like this. Yeah. I ended up staying there for like a decade and just really loving it. Uh, but during that time, it was eating at me that I wasn't doing songwriting. Wow. And so I was like, well, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I was like, well, you know what? I, I bet I could, you know, there's music for television. How do people get into that? And mm. so then that started a never ending, a continuing journey that I'm still on of uh, attending conferences, taking classes, just really absorbing as much as I could on how to write the type of songs that do get placed. Because I made the rookie mistake of being like, I got songs. And of course, <laughs> none of them worked exactly. because they weren't tailored to the customer and the the, the client. And once I started to get into that, um, things started to roll. And that was a slow climb. And over time, that morphed into production and then getting things into television uh, weird, crazy things like winning an Emmy, where it's just like, how's that? I didn't even know that was possible to win an Emmy when you just make music in your bedroom or what could be a bedroom. Yeah. Well, it's a studio. Um, 
And then fast forward after that, there were people that were starting to ask me questions about like, well, how did you do that with guitar when it came to that song? And I was like, well, this, 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 and this. And then I realized I was, and you probably feel the same way. When you talk about something, you realize it's the same pattern of the conversation. You're saying the same things. It's the same uh, over and over. And then I realized, well, maybe I should create a, you know, some sort of like course that helps other songwriters better their guitar skills to get songs or the right songs right. and aim for the right direction to get them done. And so that's kind of been my journey in a nutshell. Wow. That's dope, man. Um, yeah, dude, I feel like everyone comes to this crossroad of, yeah, I have music. I'll just send what I have to TV and film and then I'll be successful instantly. So like what what point what was the point where you learned like your songs weren't sync ready and like like how did you learn that? And then what adjustments did you make as far as writing songs for TV? Like what were some of the the major differences between just what you were already writing versus writing for sync? Oh, uh, you know, I remember when it maybe doesn't work for television, when after like three licensors or libraries were just like, no, one even said in an email, these songs are too sad. Mm. <laughs> and he was like, these lyrics are also all about girls, which totally <laughs> made sense in a pop punk band. It was just nothing about like, my girlfriend sucks today. Or just, like, you know, <laughs> they weren't creative. They were all the same topic. And then I started to write some more and then i was like well i'll write new songs but it was the problem was i was writing with the same template and i was just like i thought just because they're new or they're a new version doesn't mean they're gonna work so i realized i had to ditch i had to scrap everything mm. that i was doing and build from the ground up i needed a system and the weird thing was as i was realizing this i was teaching but the thing that i was doing while teaching I was listening to tons of new music, music that I hadn't listened to because right. I was in my bubble and I decided to get out of the bubble mm -hmm. and it forced me while teaching to learn top 40 songs. Like when I started teaching, man, it was like, I think it was like everybody talks by neon trees, fun, go to you. And then suddenly throughout my process of teaching in those years, I was absorbing all these new songs. I was active listening like crazy yeah, and I was breaking them down, breaking them down so that when I went to go construct songs i had a new template and i had a new structure for what is going to work because they're current they're also two they're the things that people are listening to mm -hmm. you know my niche or my genre that i loved it's not to say i still don't love it but there was just a small section of people that liked it it wasn't necessarily the things that were getting placed but mm -hmm. when i started to listen to the right things analyze it and think about the structure the chord progressions even the melodies, I would grab my guitar and play melodies out and be like, ah, they're just using three notes. Yeah. I remember just being blown when I listened to Fits in the Tantrums and like the first verse was like just one note 12 times in a row. Somebody say this, okay, da, 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 da. And I was like, how is this possible? I'm like, here I am using like eight notes, like a full. Working I need to be using one. Yeah. But the analyzing really being the, was the thing that made me step out of my comfort zone <laughs> and start to develop a new template. Yeah, that's crucial, man. And it, my experience was similar because I was I was in my bubble, man. I was just in there creating what I want to create and not really paying attention to what's already worked. And I feel like a lot of people try and reinvent the wheel or just think, you know, their songs are just, 
they're undeniable, right? Like it's so great. They can't say no to it, but like you have to step outside of just, you know, your bubble and study what's already working on TV and, and figure out some type of formula, which it sounds like you did successfully, especially now that you're showing other people how to do the same. Um, and I think your, your songwriting for guitar is, is like, it's just genius. Cause um, I know I've sent a few people your way because that's a struggle that people have, man. Um, so like, t- tell us a little bit about that. Like the, the songwriting for guitar and like how yeah. that kind of came about. You know, it was, it came about by just the analyzing. And the more I started to decipher what guitar was being used and how it was being transformed, I realized songwriters were kind of going about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Songwriters were carrying on all the burden. Like they were playing all throughout songs. Like I would hear demos of like chug a 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 chug. And I'm like, there is no breath in that song. I was like, there's no pause. There's no dynamics. There's none of that. Yeah. I realized I had to in my dismantling and my reinvention of how I viewed guitar, I realized guitar sometimes carries the song, but sometimes guitar is mainly just texture, Mm -hmm. feel, vibe. It is is presenting that in the song and it serves the song. And too often songwriters are carrying all the chords, all the momentum, everything, and they think it's all on their shoulders. But if you look at guitar, not as the primary focus, but – a support beam or something that's helping the structure and working with it, not against it, then your view changes entirely. Cause maybe you write stylistically with roots and thirds because traditionally most guitarists are doing like big old chords and they're yeah. just like strumming down, but it's like, won't you understand the makeup chord and maybe just use the root of it and take the third and go an octave higher. And you suddenly get something that's light and airier that fits the vocals way better. And that maybe you don't strum it. Maybe you just pluck it and let it breathe and you add reverb to it. And then suddenly there's like, you're adding a feel, a mood, a vibe. You're setting that for your song as opposed to thinking that you're playing in a live scenario that you've got to carry it all. Mm. But what if we just scrap that and just start fresh from the ground up? Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Um, Just having that perspective of not, and I feel like a lot of musicians, especially if you're coming from a live setting, like you feel like, yo, like I'm, everything's on me. Like I got to I got to make it sound big and full and things like that. And you you end up actually overproducing or just just killing the vibe altogether by doing that. Um, so that's that's dope, man. Um, and especially on the sync side, because it you know, there may be certain parts in a, in a guitar that they may just use just that, you know, just that part and use it as some type of, of, of musical bed or something like that. So literally just that, because sometimes it's just a layer, like sometimes it's just like three notes, but like layer your guitar crazy, like four different ways. Oh, there are those three notes. And suddenly it's got a personality. It's got character. It's got the thing that like gives it the fire that makes you go like, oh, that's what it needs to be. Yeah. That's dope, man. So tell us like, tell us about the first placement, man. What was like the first TV film placement um, that you, that you landed and like, how did, how did that make you feel? You know, it was interesting because when I started saying, I wanted to give myself realistic expectations. Cause I was like, I want to do this long term. So that means I'm building a catalog. It might not happen. Uh, you know, for like three or four years. Right. I may just build it and may just be like, you know, that's okay. You just stay with it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe about two years in, 
uh, I got a notification through one of the licensing companies that I'd started to send stuff with. I didn't even know if they were listening. Yeah. I was just like, I was like worried. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I'm sending this. I don't know if they're listening, but they reached out and they said, Hey, can you confirm that this is one stop? We're going to, it's going to be placed in shout out to team mom. And I was just like, I was like, yes. And I was like, I, I can confirm that because I had taken all the steps to make sure legally I knew what one stop meant. I had everything ready. I could give the go ahead. And it felt so good. Yeah. Because it was like, it was the first little like, okay, that's the first thing. And it yeah. was like, awesome. And to just be like, hey, I'd been in a band for so long where we, you know, we tried to do that, but nobody was interested. And here I was with a completely, I thought at first, am I crazy? Am I crazy? Like thinking that I'm just, re, you know, I'm building everything again. Maybe I just need to take what I had. But it was the first little like, mm -mm, you're right. You have right. to do this. Yeah. And then from there, it was the same thing where it was like, then you got another little one. Then there was another one. Then And then I was like, okay, now it's starting to be a little bit more consistent. And then that's where like the payment too. And you, you probably know, like you start that, you know, the ground floor mm -hmm. and then it slowly just starts to climb up. And that's what you're looking for is consistency, not like a huge payout. Right. I was, you know, I had friends that were like, I'll do sync. I'm going to get a Google placement my first year. And I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> I was like, you may get like a team mom placement. I was like, and that's totally good because like deal with the ground floor. They're yeah. constantly looking for songs, but like, you're not getting that Google thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like rarely, I honestly, I mean, I personally don't know anyone who just like literally started in sync off rip and just landed a huge brand ad placement. Um, yeah not at all but like yeah dude like starting starting at the like the lower level stuff the low hanging fruit i guess and then you can even like you can use that to create more opportunities you know what i mean because now you have you know i've produced wrote music heard on teen mom you know what i mean like that adds a certain level of credibility to your name um that you know somebody who doesn't have it can't say you know what i mean so it helps you stand out too uh, I think that's that's huge right there. The fact that it's just a little thing that you can add to your name regardless. Some people try to write it off, but it's like just each a small step mm -hmm. and just keep going. Yep. That's yeah. a fact, man. Shout out to the new people, man, <laughs> joining the stream. Um, let us know if you guys have any questions. Just drop them in the chat. Uh, me and Mike are, are taking questions as well. So don't feel like you guys just have to sit and watch us talk all the, for, the, for the whole hour. So drop your questions if you have them. Um, you know, some some good people here talking with us, man. Um, so, man, so the first placement was Teen Mom. That's super dope. And then you started seeing more wins after that. At that point, you're just like, yo, like I'm on the right track. This is this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Um, so this Emmy situation, bro, like <laughs> how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, like from beginning to end, man, how did the Emmy situation happen? You know, it was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, so my friend who was directing, uh, I, you know, it is through small things like these weird, weird connections and these weird, it was not a straight line. Okay. And that's where it's kind of cool because I enjoy stories that are just because the story's boring, boring if it's just like, well, how did it start? Well, everything worked out and I was great <laughs> at it. And it was just, oh, wow, thanks. That's not inspirational. <laughs> but I, during this period where I was starting to get like one or two placements, um, at least locally, that's not a thing that happens where I'm at. Like people are not talking about 
you know, like, let me talk about licensing. Mm -hmm. And so there was a small little panel of musicians that were trying to talk about film and television. And my perspective was supposed to be from being in a band musician to then switching over to writing. Mm -hmm. And I was paired with a guy that owned a studio that dealt more with uh, sound design and working for local commercials and then an award winning Emmy director. Uh, and he, he is just so rad, uh, shout out to MA. Uh, he is the best and we were just chatting and it just ended up that we just chatted, hit it off and we we're like, let's get some lunch. And we got some lunch and talk for a little bit. Yeah. And you yeah. know, I, you know, there were some opportunities that cropped up that he was like, Hey, could you make something didn't work out like, or it just wasn't picked. And I was like, that's no problem. Yeah. One day it was like, Hey, I'm doing this thing for, uh, boys and girls club of America. Would you, would you write an instrumental to it? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Then it worked, got paid. And it was a great, it was a great ad too. It was showing diversity. It was showing kids working together. It's just all good things that I'm like, I can fully get behind that. And that was great. Yeah. And then maybe fast forward a year later, I get a call from him and he was like, Hey man, um, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. And he was like, I just want to let you know, I submitted that commercial for, uh, you know, the Emmys and, uh, it's nominated. And I was like, I was like, I didn't even know commercials got Emmys. I was like, yeah. And he was like, absolutely they do. And I was like, well, just being nominated is awesome. I was like, and it was great. It was for the whole commercial. So the whole team, everyone involved and it was awesome. And so, and this was during the pandemic. So it was like you, there was a virtual Emmys. And so we watched the virtual thing and just, I was excited because it was like, man, I can say like, you know, Emmy nominated like composer. I was like, that's great. And it's funny how, like, even then my mind was like, (laughs) I'll accept just being nominated. Like, you know, just adding that as a tag is great because it's like, uh. and then it won. And I was like, Emmy winning. Has a nice ring to it. I was like, this is a great. And, and so that's what happened. And it was just, if you would have told me as I was composing that, because mm-hmm. I remember what was happening. Our internet was getting changed and the Verizon guy was here and he was just like, oh, and I'm composed. I'm the, can he be quiet? I'm trying to put it together. <laughs> and it's just like, I remember the scenario of that and just putting it all together. And then, you know, him just being really weird and awkward. And just, I'm just like, man, I'm just going to get this finished up. And I sent it. It was great. That's what I remember. But if you would have told me, oh, that will result in an Emmy. Yeah. Man. Mind explosion. So. I think it it just really taught me that don't under there's these small moments and there are these small uh, there, there are people that come across your path that you connect with. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of what we do is not visible. We don't see things moving. We don't see people talking to people. We don't see songs swapping around. So it's just staying consistent, not burning bridges, yeah. being kind. Man. You know, Mr. You know, Fred Rogers says the three ways to success. One, be kind two, be kind. Three, be kind. It's just like that is the big thing right there that I just learned from that. It's yeah. you just don't know what's happening. So just stay on your course. Learn from others. Yeah. You'll be fine. And you don't know, man, like when you're dealing with people, man, like treat everyone with respect, kindness, <sighs> because you don't know who those people are connected to as well. You know, like I've had I've had placement situations come about just because of how, you know, I carry myself in a, a completely unrelated situation. You know what I mean? So that's super important, man. Um, and just you know. it is because, you know, it, it's just 
people will want to work, you know, and you're probably the same with me. Like I would rather work with someone that's nice mm-hmm. than someone that's a pain in the butt because it's just like, yeah. it's your time and that, and it's that energy that matters so much more. And I realize people have taken me in moments where it's just like, I was maybe not the best, you know, the most talented, amazing person, but like I had the right mindset. I was good at treating people and they realized, you know what, all those other things he'll get better at as he keeps on going along. And they've moved me into the door. Like the same guy called me up, uh, you know, on Saturday and he was like, Hey, I'm directing these, um, these live shoots for Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. Can you put together like, you know, eight or 12 songs for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, you know, hustle that up. But it's they're the things that you don't expect. So you just keep on staying with it. Yep. That's a fact, man. We got a mm. few questions. Let's see. Uh Kelsey Warren. What's good, Kelsey? Kelsey says, What's your best advice pitching for licensing slash placements without representation? And he says, We both are great, by the way. Thank oh, you. Man. Appreciate that, hey. Kelsey. What's your take on that, man? How like when you got started, did you did you kind of just go straight to libraries, licensing companies, or did you have like an agent or like what was your approach? Uh, you know, I still don't. I do it pretty much right now. It's strictly all me. But the way I I approached it early on was short, simple, and make sure I'm speaking the language to make sure that where I'm sending it, they are already placing stuff I'm like sending so that it's not like they're just like, hey, Mike, music's great, but where the hell are we going to put this? This is not so that I need to know some history of the company or the supervisor. Mm -hmm. And the next thing is, is everything legally in, you know, in line? Is it, do I have my papers? (laughs) Are we exclusive, non-exclusive? Is this one stop? Do I have all of that? Yes. Um, Are is are all the parties registered with their pro? Yes. Okay. And then finally, keep it short and sweet. What does this sound like? What is this for? Do I have a streamable link that includes the downloads and or the instrumentals? Yeah. And that's pretty much been it because there were so many, and you're probably you probably have gotten this too, where so many people tell you this is what your email should look like. This is what your email should look like. Should look, and it's just like I was like, well, what do I do? And I was like, keep it, keep it short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Just say what it is, what you're pitching for. And I just started cold email so many. And yeah. there's probably so many that I never heard back. But there were a couple I did. But it's like for every, I don't know, 25, three were probably like, I saw like, oh, they streamed it on disco. Cool. Yeah. And then that, that was it. And so I knew, okay, just start, keep on sending, keep on working. Yeah. But I let, what, what, what was your take on this? Like, what's your process? Um, it was similar to yours, man. Like I, I started like when I, f- so I got the first placement that was through like a publisher. But then after that, um, cause that's, it was, uh, it was a blah situation. Like it was like an exclusive deal. I couldn't do anything else with any other yeah. publisher. So after that, I was just like, yo, I see all the opportunities out here. Like I'm going to reach out to as many licensing companies and libraries as possible. And I did what you were doing, shooting cold emails, keeping them short, simple. You know, when they when they said, yes, send some music, I had that streaming link ready. Um, and then, like you said, it's, it's kind of like a numbers game. The more you reach out to, the higher the chance you have of somebody hitting you back and saying, you know, yeah, let's 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 do a deal. Um, so that was that was my approach. You also mentioned something, uh, one stop, which is if you work in licensing, you know how 
how much of a trigger that is when when a licensing company sees it. They're like, oh, yes, like perfect. So what does that mean for those who don't know what what one stop means in the, in the licensing world? So one stop is right now you have permission of uh, uh, legally you've got everything in line because, you know, that was another thing. I was so unaware when I got into licensing. I thought of all the things that I was totally not aware of when it came to, you know, the writing, the publishing side, the, the master side. So all of those things are saying I and whoever else is involved, we have a legal document saying that we give rights to any of us to pitch this particular song and if it's good we can give the green light on behalf of the others because it's a fantastic opportunity so um most of the time one stop non-exclusive and so it's all set and so um that's basically what it means so making sure that legally you've no you know permission of the writing publishing master all of that yeah. You've got that in line and you've got just a little document. And there, there's so many out there, too, that you can find yeah. that are just like a straight one stop document. But it is if you can say and give them documentation that it's one stop, that to them is just like they can breathe easier because your word that, you know, oh, it's OK, is not going to do it good. Having documentation, however. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's a fact, man. I know. I know a buddy of mine, man. He. He had a, an amazing opportunity. Um, it was it was a it was a five figure placement, man, and they were ready to go, bro. But I guess the artist did <laughs> couldn't get in contact with the producer to sign off on stuff. The whole deal fell through. <laughs> and that, and I hate you know I had a f- one moment like this where someone was signed to a publisher. And I won't men- mention what that publisher's name was, but it was a nightmare trying to get through to them. And just like it was, and they were just like, oh, it should be fine. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is my, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that because I'm going to give them my assurance that everything is clear. And if you can't, and that's where I was just like, no, not working yeah. with that person again. And, it's better to have a moment where you just let it go yeah. as opposed to saying, okay, and then burning a bridge with a licensor. Oh, that is a whole nightmare that I would not want to have. Yeah. Cause it, it doesn't necessarily look like it looks bad on, on them between you and them, but it, it could mess your relationship up, you know, by just saying, yeah, it's one stop. And then later on finding out that it wasn't, then you have to go back to them. Oh, actually, and they're like, dude, like what? what? Yeah. So and, and, and it's the same thing. If you've got work for hires, get documentation. Please get documentation. Because I hear too many stories of people are like, I paid him. He's a friend. Cool. If he's a friend, he should have no problem, no problem. signing that paper. If he does, that's a red flag. And that's not a good friend. Yeah, exactly, man. If it's not in writing, it didn't happen, man. Um. So we got another one from Z-Man Productions. What's up, Z-Man? He says, I have a distinct boom bap jazz funk sound. I have checked some library catalogs and I don't hear anything similar. Is that a good thing or should I go along with what's out there? That's a good question. So like my my take on that, it could be it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Like because sometimes if it's if it's something they don't have, but their clients are requesting 
then that could be a way for you to kind of be a go-to source for that kind of music. Um, but then, like I think Mike mentioned earlier, you know, making sure the music you're sending is music that people actually need and that they're actually placing. Because if it's not, then you know, either they're not gonna they're not gonna sign it, or it's just gonna sit in their library and collect dust. Um, and usually, if they feel like it's gonna do that, usually they won't even go through the trouble of signing <laughs> it. But um, yeah, man, like I would just try and I would either just try and keep finding libraries that may have something similar or like, you know, do a Google search, put those keywords in front of put like, I don't know, boom, bap, jazz music libraries or something like that um, and see if you can find more because there's a lot of them out there. Um, and yeah, that that's my take on it. What do you think, Mike? Uh, you know, I'd say don't give up what you enjoy creating, mm -hmm. but that means if you can create that, then you can you can create other things. You can create genres that are similar or things that are more licensable. And so you can search those libraries and find like, are there certain ones that I feel like I can <clears throat> replicate well? And that was another thing. I limited eventually what I decided I was going to replicate because it's like, if I came and I said, I do cinematic and I do pop and I do country and I do fun, it's like nobody wants to go to a producer that's like an old country buffet yeah. or a cold corral that's all over the place. So I would say choose something that's still within your genre, but you have a, you can see that it's getting placed so that you have an in. And if you get in, then you can send them some other stuff that maybe they're a little bit more open to. Um, that's That would be my take. So it's not to say don't create, you know, don't stop creating the things that you love, yeah. but be open to maybe expanding uh, other things that you could replicate more authentically. Yeah, that's good, man. Uh, Krazy has one that says, I've actually done it three times all through someone I've met. Now I just want to get back into it because that was a wow. My question is, does having credits matter? So do you need to have credits to get, you know, get back in the music licensing and getting your your music placed? It's a good question. Um, yeah, I'll let you tackle this one, man. <laughs> I, you know, I would say, you know, what it comes down to is the song good. Because if it's the song, if the song's good and it fits and it, you, you know, all the things that we're talking about, like, you know, where it should land, you've got your documentation, you've watched and you've scouted through libraries or you've searched through TuneFind or iSpot TV to see like what is working well and what's getting placed. I think you can still make great songs and get back in the game. I think as long as you're just open to the idea of researching and and just creating the right content, then you'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, I agree, man. Like, and that's why, that's why I love licensing so much because it's really about the music, you know, at the end of the day, man, it really, it, of course, having credits can open certain doors and, you know, it, it's an indicator that you know what you're doing. You've, you mm -hmm. know what this, what this process is like. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if, it, if the song works for the scene and it, it's doing what they needed to do, man, you know, you're good to go. Um, you know, I didn't have any placements when I got my first placements. <laughs> <laughs> you got, that's, you got to get the first one, you know? So everybody has their first placement and nobody has placements before they get their first placement. So go for it. <clears throat> um, mm -hmm. Sound in the City says, so am I one stop if I own the copyright 
but have different splits with writers on the back end. So you would still you still need those writers to to sign off or like do some agreement um, to where you can sign off on their behalf because because since they're writers they own you know they own a, a piece of that um, so you can either do an agreement with them that allows you to sign off or you know they'll have to whatever licensing company you're working with they'll have to send that agreement to everybody so everybody can sign off. Which yeah, you you if it's like three people and they all own writing and publishing is shared equally, make sure you got some sort of you know documentation that says it's you know thirty three point three three thirty whatever the yeah. weird percentage <laughs> in the three. But it's just in the clause. It's saying that you have representation on behalf of the writers and the creators of this song, yeah. and you're good. And then technically, you would be one stop right there. Dope, mm. crazy Lou. Thank you for the super chat, man. Appreciate that. The Price of Pearl says, love you guys. Thanks for all the info. Indeed. Um, Z-Man says, you guys confirmed that I remembered what the one stop was. Nice. Um, Rev Kev, what's good, Rev Kev? Uh, Rev Kev says, I'm finding that a lot of the libraries want established artists and producers, and those prerequisites are for hard for those starting oh those prerequisites are hard for those starting off what would you advise here that's interesting because like how do you how do you measure established i guess yeah it's like if you're looking at super high end libraries where it's like they have you know resident composers then that can be tough but you know but i would say you know there are plenty out there that are not necessarily again when it comes down to it they're just looking for good songs that have (laughs) you know what it's funny it's like it comes back to it's got to have good songs and if you've got your legality side all sealed up that's what you need and just a short little sweet email But I would advise for ones that probably, you know, they don't have a resident composers or composers. If you see a lot, then it's like, okay, don't you you can you can try it. But look for the ones that are, you know, I don't know how many reality TV shows there are now at this point with streaming and countless. And if you go to TuneFind, if you guys aren't using TuneFind or iSpot TV, you can see like I think within one episode, you know, 16 songs are used. So it's like you think of that 16, if you can create you know, a library of songs or like 10 songs that work perfect for that, then, you know, find the supervisor, find a library that is placing there and you can, you can have your in and start right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Just, um, yep. Keep, keep searching, looking for the ones. Um, and I find like the companies that have like some, some type of open submission policy or something on their website listed, usually, you know, they're not super duper, um, you know, specific or, you know, as far as having established composers and things like that. Um, good question. Yeah. It, it, Cause it is tough. Cause you always want to find, I think I'm always searching for new ones here. I'm always, and, and I think that's with, you know, with sync, you're always, rebuilding the catalog but i'm also trying to always find new not just and think overseas too people forget about overseas as well yeah that's you true. Know, it's good to think about here but like you know there have been a few companies in australia that have been really good to me so it's just like you know i never thought of that until i worked with someone that was australian yeah. and i was just like whoa 
it's like they have licensing too in Australia. Yeah. Yep. And man, because like, yeah, think outside the box. There's an entire world, not just United States. You know what I mean? Not just New York, L.A. and Atlanta. Um, Yeah, man. Think just go out of the country if you need to. Uh, we got, what is it? Kenya Waters question. I landed a licensing placement with a major airport to play my music. Should I receive a cue sheet for that? Um, I've gotten a, I've gotten like an airline placement before. It was like, I think it was like on their, I don't know, like the airline radio station. It was like a Christmas song. Um, okay. I don't think I've seen a, a cue sheet. Like cue sheets don't come like directly to the composer though usually those are sent to um like your your pro your ASCAP BMI CSAC um so usually they're the ones that receive that and then you would receive the royalties once they once they pay them out calculate them and all that stuff um but I don't know how I don't know how you would track that like I mean if I don't know any you have, you have any ideas on that? No, I've never had an air you know major airport to play my music. I'd be curious to see like, well, how did you get that, and what was the company, and do do they have any info, or basically who was that third party that was kind of negotiating that? Was this through a party? Was this something through like Song Trader? Was this you know that's I'm I'm not sure. That's interesting. Yeah. So it seems seems like yeah, just tracking down who facilitated the the placement to begin with. <laughs> Um, cause I know when, when I had it, it just showed up on the, on the royalty statement and it just, I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> really, It was just like, it's are really weird sometimes cause the, they surprise you. You look at your cue sheet and you're like, Oh, that could, I remember it was this weird. I'd be curious. What is your weirdest placement? What's the weirdest one you ever got? And you were just like, what? The weirdest one. Um, man, what is what's the weirdest <laughs> one? It was, um, uh it was on some like it was a it was like a drag queen show um so that was i guess probably the the one i didn't the least expected i guess and i guess the thing is like you never know where stuff ends up you know what i mean um yeah you just you send it and then it just ends up where it ends up um but then who are you with what pro are you with so i'm with ascap okay so Mm -hmm. I want to ask because I'm curious. So with CSAC, anytime I get like a placement on like a Hulu or Netflix, right? It just mm-hmm. says Hulu, Netflix. It doesn't say, it may say the song title, but then it doesn't say any, I don't get any other information. Do they give you like more information with ASCAP? Yeah. So, you know, with ASCAP, I've gotten like, you know, the channel, the episode, and okay. then I see all the scenes. I can see like, you know, at what point it was used and then the duration of the placement. Wow. So, yeah, I guess I get. So we have like a QC section, then we have the royalty statement. But yeah, like it just for the streaming stuff, like it, yeah. if it's like a Hulu or Netflix, it just says like Hulu. <laughs> and this is like, OK, what show? <laughs> and then the, the statement may. No, this. Yeah, that that's what shows on the statement. The Q sheet may show. um some stuff but usually what i see on a cue sheet is mostly like cable network television stuff like that yeah on the on my royalty statement it will just say like cable like cable cable uh 
I remember once I got like this, like it was a Russian station. Oh, wow. It was for this Russian show that was like Toilo Roboto. And it was about this guy with a robot hand that was like a comedy. Wow. But it was weird because it was a Russian show that used like an Americana folk song. Oh, wow. And I was just like, I I still search every once in a while, type in to be like, I want to see what the scene was. (laughs) Because like one day it just like showed up and I was just like, I don't know. And I was like, what is this? And it was like, it's a Russian show. And I was like, but what's the context? Right. Yeah, that would be interesting to see like how that was used for sure. Oh, we got more. We got, uh, let's see. If you're working on a project with an artist, is it wise to submit instrumentals to a non-exclusive library before the project is finished? Uh, well, you got to talk to the artist. Yeah. <laughs> and most, it, like, yeah. I feel like most times they'll, they'll probably be like, no. Like, I've been in a situation where the song has been finished and the artist still doesn't, for whatever reason, want to release it. <clears throat> <laughs> that is that is oh that is just tough and that's why you know when i'm working with an artist and i've at this point just work with artists that are really exclusively focused on sync yep because i just you know i want the converse i don't want to explain the language or explain the things and there's nothing wrong with it yeah but it's just like i want an artist to know like okay you do licensing, I do licensing. We're writing this because we want a placement and we want something good. Yeah. So let's do that. Um, I'm less inclined sometimes to work with people that are just like, I'm an artist because they're very protective of their work. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you've decided that is your path, that is awesome. Nope. That is not what I want to it do. Just, it just doesn't work in the sync space, man. And I, I've, I've taken the same approach over the years. It's just like, okay. And most times I'm working with more so really, really dope songwriters who don't really care to be artists, but like they could be an artist if they want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we just focus on sync and the the workflow is it's a lot different um, because, you know, with quick deadlines, man, we don't really have time to be super um artistic like i mean it sounds wrong like i I don't want to say like you can't be artistic and creative but we're working within a certain set of you know of guidelines and we have to work efficiently and then there's just some things that don't really matter or require that much attention to where it's just like okay it's great it's good enough boom it works send it off I think it's being less precious. I think yeah. artists can be very protective of the work. I think people that work in licensing and write in licensing understand that, okay, this feels good. It sounds great. It's working for what they want. Cool. Done. They're, they're a lot more in, would you say too, like production wise at this point, like you commit to things pretty early on. It's like, yo, cool. This is it. This is it. This is yep. what it is. And it's not kind of, tweaking this out and being like, hmm, maybe if I look at this a different way for another hour, this will hit. It's like, nope, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. Done. Next thing. Yep. This is this is the snare I'm using. This is the kick. This is the synth. The end. So, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, it just works smoother, man. Works smoother that way. Rev Kev had a, a great follow-up question was, um, if you produce the music for an artist, is the instrumental yours as a one-stop? 
whole thing, the whole thing, the whole. So it's uh, you've got to make sure that they're on board with the whole thing and the documentation, because what happens if the instrumental is great and they're like, this is awesome. Could you send me the full version, too? Yeah. And then you go like, ah, I can't because it's not one stop. And they'll be like, well, then this isn't one stop. Yeah. So it was interesting because I had a artist that like, you know, messed me. She was like, so do I have is, you know, do I have shared ownership of the instrumental, too? And I was like, of course you do. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, it's the song. And she was like, oh, I've had some producers say that. No. And I was like, well, don't work with them. that. Is that is not true. You, you have yeah. full reign of the whole. You have equal ownership of everything. So you got to make sure that that is all one stop. Yeah, I've heard that question before. It was just like, well, if if they just use the instrumental, do I just get like 100 percent of the writer's share? And I was just like, nah, like once that joint becomes a whole song, man, that's everybody's attached to. It's like a baby. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, man. Well, I would say 50 50, but if there's multiple artists, whatever those splits are, man, every whether they use the instrumental or the full song, we're all sharing those those splits accordingly. Yeah. Um, the license agreement is for my music to stream through major airports. So yeah, I would talk to whoever, you know, whoever you did that licensing agreement with and, um, ask them about that. Because they'll be the ones with a little bit more info. Yeah. Yeah. So man, so what's, uh, what's next for you, man? Like what, what have you been working on? Um, what are some, some goals that you're, that you're shooting for, man, in the next, you know, year to one to five years, I guess. Yeah. Um, so at this point, I'm super excited because, you know, we're kind of in this transitional period where I'm moving to Nashville, oh, my nice. girlfriend. So we're like heading and which I'm excited. I love Nashville. It's yeah. a great city. And it's 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 now time to this point where it's like I've enjoyed where I live. But now it's like, OK, it's time to move to a city, yeah. a music city where I have friends, I have connections, I have people. It's a lot easier to be like, hey, I'm over to my place as opposed to, hey, I'll be there in like two months. Yeah. <laughs> Save the day. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a lot easier. But it, in the meantime, it's just consistently I'm trying to always build you know you know you probably have a quota too that you try to hit by the end of the you know the end of the year this is how many songs i want to have done instrumentally these are how many new connections i want these are full with vocal songs i want done yeah and i'm super excited because uh you know songwriting for guitar we're going to be getting into a period where i'll be doing a boot camp again in november um it's just you know free to everyone on my list and my the public to just like jump in understand my process introduce you to um you know clients i've had students that i've had that have implemented what i've done and how they've used it because you know it's funny we were talking yesterday that we we kind of both agreed that we enjoy creating music but nothing's better than seeing people take a process that you've developed and then utilize it for themselves and then work and then it's making them feel better and then they're using that to help other people and then and just the ripple effect that it goes from so that is super exciting for me because I love doing those boot camps and then just getting a whole new crew of songwriters that are like, I know I can do this, but I need more info. That's dope. And so being able to to get into that and then transition to a new space, have a build a new studio, or just you know to just re at this point it's it's closing in on me. <laughs> There's more and more stuff, and then I feel a little bit more tight. Yeah. So, that is that's what's happening and it's all good it's all good things and sometimes it's like it's me just staying consistent with what i've done because i've realized that is the key 
to everything that I've done is just being being consistent. Yeah. And and showing up for the process, even on days when I'm not crazy or I'm not not feeling it, do it anyway. Yeah. Because it's just like if you stay with it, the consistency will absolutely show up again and again. Yeah. Yo, that's a fact, bro. Like we were talking yesterday, man, just about how how consistency is better than intensity, man. Like just a small step, incremental steps in the in the right direction versus just going in, cranking out 20 songs and then being burnt out for like the rest of the two years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Dude, yeah, that conversation and I'll I'll for everyone listen, I have a podcast too. It's called Songwriting uh for guitar podcast, but I was interviewing Clint and hearing his story too on like trying to find when you're making that transition, being intentional on finding those blocks of time yep. to start making music because so many people say, Well, I guess I can't look a little bit harder. You can find something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Good stuff. Um, we got another question from Z Man. Says, "How many songs should you submit to a library? The most and the least. What do you guys feel? What's your What's your secret number, Mike? Uh, you know, for me, send the best two or three songs. Don't overwhelm them. Make it like send the best music because best case scenario, yep. they love it and they go send me more." If you are overwhelming them with like six, 12, they don't have time. But if you just send the best possible, but have another one just tucked away. So when they say, do you have more? Boom. Another good song. But yeah. don't send it all at once. Yeah, I agree, dude. Um, I've been I've been on the receiving end of some briefs, um, you know, sending sending briefs out uh, for certain opportunities. Um mm -hmm. And man, dude, I yeah, man, I've, I've got submissions of like, shoot, like forty plus tracks, and I'm like, I I don't know what, the, like, you just you see them all, and you just like, I don't even know what to do, like, you just you just you're paralyzed, just trying to process that many tracks. So yes, what Mike said, man, just the best, the strongest couple tracks, mm -hmm. few tracks, because they, I don't know, like, I feel like people feel like. I have to send you everything I have for the past five to 10 years because I may not get another chance to talk to you. Like they will reach back out if you have something they like, like they, they will, they need it. You know what I mean? So don't be Think afraid. Of like, it's Go like ahead. courting someone for the first time. It's like, take it slow don't don't yeah. make it just be like hey i think you need here's a song not just like i love you let's move in it's immediately <laughs> let's start having kids and grandkids get married in the next hour let's get this thing cracking and here's yeah. all the things i don't like make sure you don't do them <laughs> it's just like, that's not gonna happen exactly. but and i think too if you and it's being it, this is where i had to let my ego go because mm -hmm. my ego thought everything i did was good go through those you know however many tracks you have and really be honest with yourself how many are really good yeah. how many are really really good the more you're honest the more you can see your songs and be like okay those are good. These were good. These were songs that I used to learn songs. Now it's time to move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> man. No names are popular. Ooh. Oh, so, he said, uh, no, yeah, no names. A popular sync guy on YouTube told me to send an album. No. no. <sighs> yeah. Like the only time I send an album is if 
I'm working with the licensing company. They're like, we're working on an album. Like I just, yeah. I just finished one up, but it's like when well, you're trying, you know, I don't, it may work for some people, you know, depending on the situation. But I feel like too many can be overwhelming. Um, and, it, you know, again, going back to what Mike said earlier, like do your research on on the companies, man, and, and what they need, what they're placing. And um, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with a couple really, really good tracks. You know, and they're not going to be like, oh, you only sent us two. We don't want to work with you. But like you have more. So you can't really go wrong. Yeah, it's just like best case scenario. And you're not going to be like, these two are amazing, but you didn't send me 35 and I, I didn't have time to go through all of these. Sorry, deals off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, man, super dope, man. Let's uh, we'll take we'll take one more question, man. I don't want to hold Mike, man. I know you're a busy, dude. Um, and you, you got you know, you got a schedule to stick to. So. I won't hold you too long. Oh, dude, uh, this is this has been fun. Everybody's had some really good questions. Like yeah. these are these are really key things too that you know. I was thinking at the very beginning that I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> yep. Mm. Yeah. Oh, here's a good one from Whiskey. Shout out yeah. to Whiskey. How does one determine what their best songs are when you're sitting on a catalog of quite a few songs? Mm. That is good. <laughs> I say you mentioned TuneFind, which is a great resource. Mm -hmm. I, what I would say is reverse engineer it, right? Like go to what's already been placed, study what's been placed and just kind of figure out, OK, what what was how was this done? Why did it work? Um, and then go to your catalog, compare the mixing, compare the audio, compare the vibe, compare the lyrics and compare and see what's closest to what has already worked. That's what I would do. And that's where I say, yes, everything that you said, I'm like, that's a hundred percent. So yeah, man, it's listen, this was, this was super dope. Just your perspective, man, on, on sync. Congrats on all of your success. So apparently we had technical issues and it cut off the important information on how you can find Mike. So if you want to stay in touch and find out what Mike is doing and when he's holding that next boot camp, go to songwritingforguitar.com. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at Mike underscore Myers. That's M-E-I-E-R-S. And make sure you check out the Songwriting for Guitar podcast as well. Now back to the rest of the episode that was salvaged. Appreciate you, and we'll be in touch soon, man. All right. See you, dude. All right. See everyone. Peace. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Music Is My Business podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, be sure to do so now so you can know every time I drop a new episode. If you found the information helpful, please be sure to rate and review the podcast so we can get this dope info out to more music entrepreneurs like you. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to learn more about how to get your music placed in TV and film, visit ClintProductions.com today to download my free six-step guide to TV placements. These are the steps I took to land my first 10 TV placements in a little over a year. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.